0: up here and steve before you be seated i want you guys to take this uh, box right here walk down the center aisle and take a handful of both of you and pass them down the aisles as you go okay everybody gets one one of y'all yeah there you go doug they might need some help do not you carry the box doug and they can hand the candles out whatever you need to do brother we just need to get everybody one of those as they're coming around they're passing out a little candle for y'all And as they're coming around, I want us to open up our Bibles to the book of Titus. And at this time, we'll go ahead and dismiss Children's Church. Um, So uh, Matt and Rachel have Children's Church. That might um, slim our candle down a little bit, but that's okay. They can have one too for sure. Just don't give them any matches or a lighter. Uh, (laughs) Make sure everybody gets one. We should have enough while supplies last. If they don't last, then we'll go get more. I'm kidding. The book of Titus in the New Testament is where we're going to be preaching from. Titus chapter number one. And guys, once everybody gets a candle, you can be seated. As they're finding our place in Titus chapter number one. If we could, please stand for the reading of God's word. Stretch your legs one more time. I'm going to let you sit here for about 30, 35 minutes. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. So let's all stand for uh, the reading of God's word. Are you in Titus chapter number one? The Bible says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For the next few weeks, we're going to study, verse by verse, as we have before, the book of Titus, and today I want to uh, speak to you about igniting passion for God's purpose and God's plan. Father, help us now as we dive into your word. I pray that you'd anoint me with your spirit. God, help me to preach the word of God as you have written it, and Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, you'd bless every person that's come today, and uh, Lord, may we be, uh, uh, Lord, better Christians, for having heard your word today. May we apply it in our lives. We'll thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, Titus was a... um, Did everybody get a candle, by the way? Do we have extras? We do. Throw me an extra. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to use that later. But right now, we're going to be in the Bible. Somebody say amen. In Titus chapter number 1, in the book of Titus, we read about this young man. Titus was a young preacher, just like Timothy. Um, the two books before Titus is First and Second Timothy. And you know, Paul probably wrote 1 Timothy at the same time that he wrote the book of Titus. And uh, both of these letters instructed young leaders in the church about what they should be doing and, and how they should be doing it. And you know, God uses people to instruct people. And so God instructed Paul... And then Paul instructed Titus and Timothy. And uh, Timothy was sent to a place called Ephesus. And uh, the the people at Ephesus were were the Ephesians. And that's where we get the book of Ephesians. Timothy was sent to a place called Ephesus. But Titus was sent to a place called Crete. Now, in this introduction, in the first four verses, uh, Paul is expressing his passion for the plan of God and, and his part in it so that he can ignite passion in Titus to do his part in the plan of God. See, Paul's just fanning the flames in his own heart. He, he says, it's according to the faith of God's elect. This is why I'm doing this. This is after godliness and hope of eternal life, the promise, and so on and so forth. We're going to get into that. But he's, he's fanning the flames about what God has called him to do so that he may kindle a flame in Titus you ever been around somebody that uh, just makes you want to uh, get excited about the things of God? Or well, somebody that just makes you want to jump in and serve God and live for God? I've been around people like that. you ever been around somebody that's more like a wet blanket? Like you get around them it's like, oh, man, I, I need to get away from you. I don't like coming around you because every time I come around I just feel dirty. I feel nasty. And I need to get around somebody that's excited about the things of God. Listen, Paul, Paul was one of those people. And what he does in this introduction is, is he's, he's, uh, 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 he's, he's writing about why he's doing what he's doing and who he is. See, Paul expressed the flames of his faith so that he may foster faith and ignite that same passion in Titus. You see, Crete, the, the place that Titus was called to, was a rough place. Crete was a, was a rough place to minister and to be a preacher, let alone live a godly life. And so Paul knew that if he could ignite some passion in Titus, this would encourage and fortify Titus as a good minister in such a difficult place. I've learned this, y'all. I've learned that when it comes to the call of God, he always puts the right person in the right place. God always puts the right person in the right place. I know this because, you know, you read about Titus earlier in the New Testament in the book of 2 Corinthians. Now, if you've read uh, through the Corinthians before, you'll learn that they were one of the most carnal, worldly churches in all the Bible. I mean, they were just, they were, they were some fleshly carnal folks. And the book of 2 uh, Corinthians mentions Titus and how he was sent there to help that church. And uh, Corinth was a pretty tough place to minister. Uh, it was so carnal and uh, uh, just worldly uh, for the time that they were in. And so we know this and we can gather that Titus probably had some thick skin. I've learned this about being in the ministry and being a Christian in general. You better go ahead and get you some thick skin. Have a tender heart, but get some thick skin because stuff's going to come up. But see, Titus, he had some thick skin. He wasn't a pushover, though. When it came to standing for truth and godliness in a place like Crete, Titus was the right man for the job. Now, when you think about Crete, I thought about this. I said, how can I help everybody understand? Think about a place like Las Vegas but on an island in the first century. This is where Titus was sent to do his part in the plan of God. The believers at Crete, um, there were already some there, probably from the day of Pentecost, and they had started some churches, but man, it was a mess. The believers at Crete, they had some trouble on both ends of the spectrum. They had false teachers and and these Jewish uh, Judaizers that that deceived the people into keeping laws uh, in order to stay right with God. How many of y'all know you don't have to keep laws to be right with God? You're right with God because of Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. I'm glad for that. Uh, And if you're not, you need to learn and you can get glad too. Amen. The people at Crete had this trouble. The teachers there, they were teaching that you had to keep certain laws to be right with God. And, And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, they had people that abused the grace of God and said that the grace of God is more like a license. And since I'm forgiven, since Jesus died for me, I can pretty much live any way I want. And so there was, a, there was extremes on both ends of the spectrum with Jewish law keepers and, and then ultra-gracers abusing the grace of God. And Paul said, look man, this thing's a mess and uh, I'm sending you out there, Titus, because God has called you there and this is how you need to go minister to Him. I've learned that in today's churches, these two extremes, they're still prevalent today. Uh, You know, you either have legalistic churches that say you got to dress a certain way, do certain things, or you're not right with God. Or you have licentious churches. What I mean by that is uh, where it doesn't really matter what you do. It's kind of a free-for-all, and Jesus died for me, so it's all good, man. It don't matter how I live. See, we still got that stuff today. We're going to see from this short book, Titus, um, how that the grace of God and sound doctrine is what motivates us and empowers us to live godly lives. If you look at chapter 3 in verse number 8, um, uh, this is probably the key verse. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God, saved people. They which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. How many of y'all are glad you don't have to uh, do good works to be saved, though? Amen. For by grace are you saved through faith and that, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which God hath before ordained uh, that we should walk in good works. So they that have believed in God, let them know, Titus, that they should be careful to maintain good works, not to be saved, but because you are Saved. That pretty much encompasses the theme of the book. Amen. Let's go home, right? Just kidding. We're going to see from this short book, Titus, um, and we're going to learn about the grace of God and how that is the motivator for why we should live godly lives. But just looking at the introduction today, the first four verses, Paul isn't just filling space here, y'all. He ain't just, um, you know, filling time and Uh, uh, with a bunch of uh, high and lofty words. Uh, You know, sometimes people feel like they have to say something, but then there's others that have something to say. I've been accused of feeling like I had to say something. I've been guilty of that. Not only accused, but guilty of it. Feeling like i got to say something. But Paul's not just saying something. He's got something to say. Even in this introduction, he's got something worth hearing. And there's a big difference in those things. See Paul is expressing his passion and his zeal for God's plan and purpose and his part in it that God has given him. So Paul understood what God does and and where he fit into God's plan. In the introduction to this letter he tells us who he is and what he does because of who God is and what God does. Who he is and what he does because of who God is and what God does. Hey do Do you know what God does? Do you know what God is up to? You know, I hear people say all the time, "Um, God works in mysterious ways. (laughs) And that's certainly true uh, uh, in some cases. But according to the Bible, God has made known to us how he works and, and what he's doing. It's only mysterious to people because they don't understand and they don't know. But I'm glad that Paul took the time and said, hey, look, this is the plan of God and this is why I'm passionate about it. And he does these things so that he can ignite passion in this young man, Titus. So do you know what he's doing? Do you know what his plans are for you? I'm talking about God's plans for you. Did you know that he has a part for you in his plans? Did you know he wants to use you and include you in what he does? I want to give you four aspects this morning, four aspects if you're taking notes about God's plan that will ignite passion in you and those around you. This is why Paul started the letter this way. It was to ignite that passion for what God was doing in the heart of Titus and so that Titus could then fulfill his part and go to Crete and and, and, uh, uh, ignite passion in the people there at Crete. So what ignites passion for God's plan? Number one, when you recognize your identity in God's plan. When you recognize your identity in God's plan, look again at verse number one. Paul says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He said, first of all, I'm a servant, guys. Hey, Titus, I'm just a servant of God. Now, understand that this was not a begrudging thing to Paul. He knew that he had been bought with a price, and his service to God was not because he had to, but because he wanted to. If you go back and you read the Old Testament, uh, you'll find in uh, the book of Exodus and also in Deuteronomy chapter number 15, um, the Israelites, they, they would have servants, kind of like indentured servants. They would serve uh, for six years and then after the seventh year, their master would set them free. They'd be free to go. Hey, man, see you later. I wonder if that's kind of like what Jacob did. I don't know. He, he kind of got rewarded with the wrong wife and then uh, the right wife after that. Beside the point, there was servants... <laughs> I just thought about Jacob's having to serve for 14 years, man, if, before he finally got the right girl. Amen. Um, the point I'm trying to make is that uh, God gave certain laws toward, uh, to the Israelites that when this person served for six years and then the seventh year, after that seventh year, you set them free. And the Bible says that if they don't want to go free, if they want to stay in their master's house and continue to serve them because he loves him and because it's good with them while he's serving his master, then I want you to take an all. That King James Bible says in awe. It's just like an iron spike. And I want you to drive it through his ear and that's going to signify for the rest of his life that I love my master and I'm not going anywhere because I've got a good master and I want to serve him for the rest of my life. And when Paul says in verse number one, a servant of God, it's not like i got to serve God because he's God and i just got to serve him. No, it's because he's got a good master, a good father and he says I may be free but I don't want to go anywhere. I've got a good God that I I want to serve and he says Titus I'm a servant of God that's who I am that's my identity and he's glad about it he also says an apostle of Jesus Christ see this is Paul's official Office. He's an apostle. There, there was only a few of those. There aren't any more apostles now in the church today, okay? Apostles were for a time, a specific men like Peter and John and James and Paul and multitudes of several others. I won't say multitudes, but several others, they were apostles. They would receive direct revelation from Jesus Christ Himself. And the word apostle simply means sent one. Sent one. And so Paul, when he says, I'm an apostle, I am a sent one of Jesus Christ. Hey, who sent you, uh, Paul? It was Jesus. Oh, you mean the son of God? Oh, you mean the one that died on the cross and is resurrected and ascended up into heaven and came and met you on the Damascus road? That Jesus? He says, yes, that one. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why I believe what I believe. And this is my identity. I'm a servant. I love my master. And I'm an apostle. Jesus has sent me. Paul recognized his identity and boy, he was fired up about it. I mean, he just, he's, he was fired up about it. Do you know? Do you know who you are in relation to God's plan? Do you know your identity in God's plan? See, you'll become passionate about God's plan and purpose in this world when you recognize who you are in his plan. See, I, we've, 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 we've heard the song. Of, it's a popular song nowadays. You've probably heard preachers say it. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody, right? See, we're just little peons in this thing of God's universe, but I'm thankful I'm a servant, and moreover, I know what my identity is. I may not be an apostle, but I know I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm his child. I'm his servant, and I'm glad to be in church this morning. If you're glad for that, say amen. Amen. Not only that, when you recognize your identity, if you're saved, you'll recognize that you're you're a member of Jesus Christ's body. You're a member of his body. You're not just a member of the club. You're a member of his body. It's a spiritual body. I'm joined to the Lord and his spirit is now in me. And see, my life is really his life. It's not in the sense that I gave him my old life, but it's in the sense that my life is his life. My life is his life, and because his life gave me life, new life, eternal life, my life is hid with Christ in God. I am a purchased possession. I am a new creature in Christ. That's who I am. That's who you are if you're here today and you're saved. See my identity This is good right here Because you know We live in a culture And a day Where everybody Is talking about Their identity And how they identify And I never find this In the little bubble You fill out But my identity Is not found In my race Or my nationality Or the color of my skin It's not found In my age Or my outward appearance It ain't because I wear a tie And a suit To church My identity Isn't found In how many followers I have on Instagram Or Facebook It's not found In the club Or organization or the geographic area my identity is not even found in what I've done as a person good or bad my identity is found in who I am in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me my identity is found in him and I'm telling you that fires me up that ignites some passion in me because you know who I was good God almighty who I was I was lost and dead and going to hell. And so were you and such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are justified, ye are sanctified by the Spirit of the Lord and by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who you are now. That's your identity in Jesus if you're saved. Praise God, hallelujah. I'm a new creature. See, when Jesus died, he died for me. I was dead in my trespasses and sins But when I put my faith in his work, his resurrected life resurrected me. Now I'm alive in him. And as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now if you understand that, that ought to cause you to be happy to serve him. Because of what he's done for you. It's a blessing to understand who I am in Christ. And you know what, moreover, it's an honor to represent him so that others can know him too. When Paul said, I'm an apostle, he knew that God had given him a specific part in the plan and purpose of God. And if you're saved, you have a specific part in the plan and purpose of God as well. What ignites passion for, for God's plan? Number one, when you recognize your identity in God's plan. Number two, when you understand the importance of God's plan. What does Paul say verse 1? He says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Paul said, look, I'm a servant of God and an apostle for these reasons right here. Number one, the faith of God's elect. Now when the Bible says the faith, he's referring to that body of doctrine about the gospel of Jesus Christ that when communicated brings salvation to those who believe. You know, we have on our website, you can go on there and look in our, uh, our beliefs section. You can scroll down and look at our biblical beliefs. If you're watching on Facebook, you want to know what we believe? There's our statement of faith. Because it's it's these things that we believe. These things that we stand on. We stand and believe the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that He is the very Son of God. We believe that when He died, He died indeed, shedding His blood for the sins of the entire world. Man, woman, boy and girl, red, yellow, black and white. Jesus died for them all. He tasted death for every man. And that's the faith. The faith. That's what we believe. Without Jesus, we're just a club. We're just like the moose lot. But the importance of what we're doing here is the faith of God's elect. And see, notice, I want you to notice of God's elect. The elect of God are simply those that have put their trust in Christ and are born again, don't miss it, in Him. In Him. And because God chose his son to bring us salvation before the foundation of the world. And you believe that, you are now in him and you are now the elect of God because you're in Jesus Christ. That's what makes you the elect. That's what makes you the redeemed of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Anybody can be saved. If Paul got saved, then you can be saved. Hey, look here, if Kanye got saved, uh, your neighbor down the road can get saved too. Amen and amen. That's good preaching. Give me a plug, Kanye. I'm kidding. (laughs) God's not willing, listen to me, God's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. See, God wills that all men be saved, and whosoever will believe on Jesus Christ shall be saved. Understanding this simple message of the gospel is so important, Because it's a matter of eternal life or eternal torment. And God didn't save you and I or Paul or Kanye to keep our mouths shut about what Jesus Christ did on the cross for all mankind. He wants us to know it. He wants us to proclaim it and and get fired up about it. Notice the next phrase in uh, verse number one. He says, according to the faith of God's elect and... The acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. See, God's plan is is not just to save us from hell and give us new life on the inside. He wants us to be transformed into his likeness. This begins on the inside. You remember the caterpillar in the cocoon and the butterfly that finally got liberty over the sin with his wings. Somebody help me and flap your wings right there. God wants to transform us. It's it's after godliness when we acknowledge the truth, when we believe the truth of the word of God. This begins on the inside and then makes its way out. As we acknowledge the truth, as we apply the truth, that's when godliness is manifest in our lives. In Paul's letter to Titus, we're going to see how, how important not only salvation is, but godliness. What ignites passion in my heart for the plan of God? Not only to be born again, but to grow as a new creature in Christ. Our little darling, well, she, she's almost nine, she'll be nine months old um, uh, the 28th of this month. And I just got to take a little break and give, let y'all know what happened the other day. I was on daddy duty, you know what I'm saying? Like Hillary was busy doing something and it was like, watch the baby. I was like, okay. Well, she's at this stage where she's crawling around, you know. And I swear she's going to walk before she can really crawl real well, but anyway, and she's pulling up on stuff, and man, she's getting around pretty good, so she's getting into everything now, uh, and I saw her crawling around in the kitchen, and I thought, okay, well, I can go in here and get my book and whatever, and then I'll come check on her and grab her and whatever. Well, I came back in the kitchen, and, and uh, as soon as you walk in our door, if, if you've ever been in the top floor, you can see there's a, a, a water bowl for our dogs. Right there, as soon as you walk, that way, when the dogs come in, you know, they're they're hot or, you know, thirsty, whatever, been outside playing, they can get a drink of water. Well, here goes little Willow, and I know she ain't that mobile yet, so I thought, well, no problem in there. And uh, next thing I know, she's sloshing around in the water, man. And I come, and that big old swath of water is about eight foot wide, and it's just running everywhere. And so you know what I did? I went and and got a, a big old towel. I grabbed the baby, I pulled her out of the water, into the other room, onto some carpet, and she's soaking wet, I mean dripping wet, you know. And, uh, and I got a towel, and I'm starting to clean up the floor. And I'm thinking I'm really doing something good, and then Hillary comes in there, and here comes Willow around the corner again, and she's like, honey, what are you doing? I said, I'm cleaning up. Willow spilled all this water. And about that time, I look where Willow's coming, and there's a streak of water, because Willow's like a little mop. I mean, she's just mopping the floor for her mama. And I'm glad one day she's going to grow up and actually help clean the house, right? She was starting a little early. But you know what would be the biggest shame of my daughter's life? Is if we rejoiced over her conception and her birth and she came into this life and we started teaching her all these things, feeding her all this milk, but she never growed at all. It would be a shame if, if she never grew up. If she never started to learn how to crawl and pull up on things and walk around and one day be able to push a vacuum and be able to uh, learn things and be someone in society and tell and meet a godly husband. He's going to be godly, all right. Meet a godly husband 50 years from now. (laughs) I'm saying what a shame. What a shame it would be for her to be born and for us to rejoice over this precious gift from God. But she never grow up. And, you know, when it comes to being a Christian, being born again, becoming a Christian, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and being saved at that very moment, that little guy too, man, he's got a a future. And it would be a shame if he never grew up any more than he is right now. He's precious. We want him to stay little, but, but do we really want him to stay little? No, we want him to grow up and be productive members of society. We want to teach them more things, right? God's the same way with the Christian. He says you're born again. You're saved. You have new life. But are you growing? And Paul writes, and he says, I'm an apostle, I'm a servant, for according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. See, in God's plan, it's important to understand that what God has done and is doing is not only to redeem us from all iniquity, but also to purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. See, not only to have a good work begun in us, but to continue with good works manifest through us. How many of y'all are still a work in progress? How many of y'all are glad about it? Amen. How many of y'all are glad that when it comes to changing your life, God hadn't given up on you yet? Pastor Kenny made the made a statement in our revival about how God created everything that we see, the, the earth and the heaven, and, uh, uh, in, in six days, and he rested on the seventh. I'm talking about 24-hour periods. God created all of it. He spoke it into existence. But when it comes to transforming your life, changing you into his image, and manifesting godliness because he wants you to be like him so that you can know him, And so that you can bring him glory. He's taking his sweet time. Why is he taking so long? Because we're so stubborn. Thank God is right. Thank God he's patient. Thank God he ain't gave up on me yet. Because there's a time or two I've turned my back on God and said, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with this thing. I'll just put my Bible on the shelf. I'll quit coming to church on Sunday morning. I'm done, God. God said, no, you ain't. I ain't done with you. I care about you. I love you. I want what's best for you. And I'm going to continue to work in your life. I'm going to continue to present you with truth because it's the truth that will set you free. And acknowledging the truth is what will manifest godliness. And that's why Paul is so passionate about what he's writing Titus about. Paul understood the importance of salvation, but also of discipleship and growing, teaching people the truth to increase godliness, to be more like God, not only in who they are, but in what we do. See, if you understand your identity, but but then you never grow into what God would have you be, what's the point? If you're born again, but you never grow, that's a sad narrative. That's a sad story. So what ignites passion for the plan of God? When I recognize my identity in God's plan. Number two, when I understand the importance of God's plan. But number three, when you gain insight into God's plan. Look at verse number two. Paul says... In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. But look at verse three, in the first half of it. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. Of course, the preacher man likes that verse right there, right? I'm talking about when, when, when. Passion will be ignited in your heart and in your life is when you gain insight into God's plan. I'm talking about seeing the big picture. See, Paul had insight into God's plan because God revealed it to him. And now, because we know, we too can have insight into God's plan. Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. He said, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, which effectually works in you that believe. Paul said, I want you all to know. I want your eyes to be enlightened. I want you to see the grand plan that God has in store. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible is uh, Elisha in 2 Kings chapter number 6. And uh, Elisha, uh, Elijah, his, uh, uh, his mentor has gone on to be with the Lord and uh, God took him up in a whirlwind and Elisha is left and he's the leader and he's got a servant. And uh, the king of Syria uh, is, is just having a time against Israel because God's giving Elisha insight into uh, what the king of Syria is doing. And Elisha is warning the king of Israel so that Syria can't overtake Israel. And then the king of Syria says, Man, what in the world? Which one of y'all, my soldiers, are, are ratting me out? Which one of y'all are, are the spies that are going over to Israel and telling them what all we're doing? They said, Man, it ain't none of us. It's this guy Elisha, uh, Elisha over here. And uh, he said, where is he? He said, well, he's down in this place called Dothan. he says, all right, we're going to take care of Elisha. And uh, the king of Syria sends his whole army down there to Dothan. And uh, Elisha and his servant are in the tent, man. They're, you know, having prayer time and and, uh, having some fried chicken and different things. And, man, they're fixing to, you know, have another church. I'm kidding. I don't know what they're doing in the tent. But they're in the tent at Dothan. And Elisha's servant wakes up the next morning. And he comes out. And about that time, all the armies of Syria are surrounding them. It's a grand, big old army with uh, horses and chariots and, I mean, just everything. And they're surrounded. And uh, his servant goes back in the tent. He says, Master, what shall we do? What are we going to do, man? These people are going to kill us. And did you see how many there are? I love what Elisha does. You ought to go look it up sometime. 2 second, uh, second Kings chapter number 6. Elisha prayed and he said, Lord, open his eye. Open the servant's eyes. About that time, that servant opened his eyes. God God opened his eyes to see what was beyond the army in front of him, and it was the army of the Lord, chariots and horses of fire. And Elisha said, uh, there ain't nothing to worry about. There's a lot more with us than there is with them. And you know what Elisha was really praying? God, show him the big picture. God, give them insight into, into what's going on here. Show them the big picture. And when Paul writes to Titus, he says, he says, Look, Titus, I just want you to know the big picture. It's in hope of eternal life, which God promised before the world began. And God cannot lie. And so when it comes to this hope, this hope of eternal life, it ain't just this, this hope so. It, it might happen. Well, maybe. No, friend, when God promises something, that hope is a sure thing. See, Elisha's uh, servant, he had, a, he had a fear filter on his eyes. Y'all know the Snapchat deals and whatever. You can put little filters and make yourself look a certain way. Right. Well, well. this servant, he had a fear filter. All he could see was the soldiers in the army. in front. All he could see was the problems in front of him. Uh, those ten spies that spied out the promised land, all they could see was the giants. I mean, they saw the land flowing with milk and honey, but all they could see was the giants and how uh, we need an insight into God's plan. We need to see the big picture. That'll fire you up. That'll give you passion about what God is doing. And so Paul says, in, in hope of eternal life, and that gives confidence. You know, when that servant saw uh, God's army just beyond the the Syrian army, that gave him confidence. And then he had a a faith filter put on his eyes. Somebody say no filter, man, because it's real. It's true. It gives confidence. Can I say this? The cross of Jesus Christ, it wasn't plan B for God. It wasn't like, oh, man, that didn't really work out. I guess I got to send Jesus down there and die for everybody's sins so that I can redeem the world. That wasn't plan B for God. That was the, they wasn't the. even plan A. It was the plan. It was the plan. It was the promise. He said in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. How many of y'all glad for that? That God cannot lie. See, I can lie because I'm a Weasley uh, stinking uh, on my way to heaven sinner saved by the grace of God. But when it comes to the holy almighty God of the universe, he can't lie. He can't lie when he promises that he's going to redeem the human race by his son it's a sure thing and he wanted Titus to know hey man this is the big picture God's promised this thing before the world began but then notice how God has chosen to communicate this promise he hath in due times manifested his word through through what what's the Bible say preaching. through preaching through preaching see God has chosen to make his known uh, uh, make known his plan of eternal life and redemption through preaching. See, God ordained preaching. God orchestrates preaching. And God, I need your help this moment while I'm preaching your word. See, the preaching of the word is is the primary way that God communicates his plan to us. In Romans 10 and verse 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear? Without a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? 1 Corinthians 1.18. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. See, as God's people are preached to, the intention is that they're informed. What I'm trying to do is not only ignite passion in you, but I'm also trying to inform you. I'm trying to persuade you. I'm trying to convince you and exhort you and encourage you. But it's not the preacher that does the encouraging. It's the preached Word of God that's when the saints are perfected Uh, that's when the work of the ministry can begin and that's when the body of Christ will be edified it's through preaching that God makes his plan known see gaining insight into the plan of God from eternity past all the way to Sunday morning right now at 11am seeing the big picture of God's purpose will ignite passion and build confidence to do what God has called you to do see this is God's plan and you and I have a part in it I mean, it may not be to stand up in front of the congregation and give a sermon, although some of you could probably do a better job than me. If you say amen to that, I'm leaving. I'm kidding. And somebody said amen, so I would. I'm kidding. This is God's plan, and it may not be to to deliver a sermon to the congregation, but your part is at least to make sure that your friends and your loved ones get to a place where they can hear preaching and to be praying for the preaching. Hey, that's your part. Get them here. I'll preach to them. I'll share the gospel. I'm nervous. I don't know. I don't know. Bring them to the school. At Cedar Lee Middle School, that preacher man will get up there and shout and squeal and preach the word of God so that they can be saved and know that heaven is their home, God is their father, and they don't have to go to a stinking, rotting, burning place called hell. Amen and amen. That's good preaching. And by the way, let me say this. There's a lot more preaching that goes on at this church than what exits my mouth. There's a lot more preaching that goes on at Truth Baptist Church than the words that come out of my chops. I'm talking about our actions. I'm talking about our attitude. I'm talking about our appearance to others and and those that come in. You know what it's doing? It's communicating a message. It's communicating a message. What kind of message do your actions preach? What kind of message does your attitude convey? What are people hearing as they walk into Truth Baptist Church? Are they hearing about the hope of eternal life? I'm talking about in your actions, in your attitudes, in your appearance. How you come in through those doors. Are you walking in and people seeing and hearing the preaching from your life? I heard a preacher say, hey boy, you may shout and squeal and preach, but you ain't never ever going to out-preach your life. You ain't never going to out-preach the way you live. You ain't never gonna outpreach the way you live. You can say all you want, but if it don't show up in your actions, then uh, uh, it's not—it's uh, not true. And there's a lot more preaching going on at this church than just the words coming out of my mouth. And Paul reminds us—reminds uh, Titus rather of the big picture—and then exhorts him to preach in light of it. Hey, this is the big picture; it's important. He's firing Titus up to preach to these Christians. This is important stuff. And and by the way, can I just say, it sure does help me when y'all start fanning the flames, when I'm up here trying to preach, and y'all just start saying amen. When you start expressing some passion toward what I'm saying and the plan of God, that sure does help me a little bit. And that's what Paul's trying to do for Titus. And you know what will help you and ignite more passion? When you see the big picture of God's plan. That ought to stir you up. That ought to ignite passion in your life when you recognize your identity, when you understand its importance and when you gain insight into the big picture of God's plan. But lastly, when you get involved in God's plan, that's when passion will be ignited in your heart. When you get involved. Look at the end of verse number three. Paul says, But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. You know it will ignite passion in your heart for God's plan and purpose? Not only when you realize God has given you a part, but when you do your part. When you do your part. See, there's a lot of things I know I should do as a Christian, but I don't get a blessing until I actually do them. I'm going to let you chew on that for a second. See, when I know I should do something, but I'm not doing it, that's a burden on me. I know I should be doing this. Come on, you've thought that way too. I know I should be doing this, and and you know, it's this burden that weighs down on you. But when I get involved and actually do what I know I should be doing and what God wants me to do, that's when my burden turns into a blessing. When I get involved in the plan of God. God has a part for every single one of you. I would walk through here and call out every single one of your names if I didn't have to finish. And go eat lunch here in just a moment and turn y'all loose too. I would call out every single one of your names and say, God has a part for you. 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 Every single person in here. Everybody has a part. And, And you won't get a blessing doing your part until you actually do it. You can know you can you should you can know that you should do it but you won't get a blessing until you actually do it until you actually get involved See if I'm not preaching man I'm 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 just burdened and I know I should be I should be communicating the word of God but the blessing comes when I actually get involved in what God has me to do Paul had a command and a call upon his life and I'm finishing Paul took heed to his part in God's plan and now Titus was being commissioned to do his part in Crete You know at one time Paul was a persecutor and a murderer of Christians but when God saved him and changed his life he gave him a commission to preach and Paul didn't waste any time doing so. I mean, the people that, all, uh, that were already saved, they said, man, this guy used to kill Christians. We ain't going to talk to that. That's kind of how a lot of Christians act about Kanye. We ain't believing that. We ain't going to talk to that. Or somebody wicked gets saved, all right? And then people are like, well, I don't know if they're really saved. And I don't know, man. You haven't known their past. Well, buddy, Paul had a past. He was a murderer. He was killing Christians. But when God saved him and changed his life and he got involved in his part in God's plan, that's when he got a blessing. That's when God started started blessing and started moving and started using Him. See, we've been given the same commission to proclaim Christ, not only in word, but in action. See, when I get involved in the church, when I'm helping people, when I'm loving on people, giving to others, volunteering, being a witness, praying for others, doing my part in God's plan, when I roll up my sleeves and get involved, that's when the passion is ignited in my own heart. See, we've been given a privilege we don't deserve. Paul didn't deserve the privilege of, of preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ to a lost world. But, buddy, God gave him that privilege and that part and he took full heed to it. You and I, are we don't deserve the, the same privilege that we have to proclaim the, the precious love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't deserve that privilege. But how involved are we in God's plan? It's high time that we all step up. And get involved in God's plan. He gave Paul a part. He gave Titus a part. He's given you and me a part too. Verse number four. Notice what it says. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was certainly a mentor to Titus. That's clear. And probably also led him to the Lord personally. And though Paul was the great apostle that God used greatly, Paul said, hey, Titus, we share the same faith. I'm no better than you. You're not less than me. We both got saved by the same grace and the same God, and we both have a part in His plan, and we're in this thing together. Titus, this this is supernatural stuff. This is eternal stuff. This is big stuff. Hey, this thing about Christianity, it's real stuff. You know what Paul was doing? He was expressing his passion for God's plan and he's letting the light of his candle burn bright. This is why I'm passionate about who I am and what I'm doing. He let the light of his candle burn bright and then he leans into Titus and says this is why you should be fired up about the plan of God. And he expresses his passion to ignite passion. He takes his candle, leans into Titus and lights his candle so that Titus can go out to Crete and light all of their candles. See, what would happen if my candle lit Doug's candle? If my passion for God and his plan and my part in it ignited a passion in Doug's heart and his part? Doug's passion, Doug's Doug's, uh, zeal and fire about serving God could then ignite passion in Sherry's heart. It would then light her candle. She could take her candle and and her passion for what God's called her to do and light Kenny's candle and ignite the passion in his life and all of his boy's life and in his wife and, and then to his neighbor and his friends and every single one of us has a candle because every single one of us has a part. And it's like Paul is is igniting this passion in Titus so that he can go ignite passion in the people at Crete. I feel like Paul this morning, trying to ignite some passion in the people before me. See, when we understand what God is up to and what God does, the more passionate we'll be about what we should do. Hey, Titus, I know Crete is a rough place, but don't you forget, God never makes mistakes. He always puts the right person in the right place. Paul said, Who I am and what I'm doing is because of who God is and what He's doing. He's got a plan, and He's given you a part. That's when passion will ignite in you. As Steve's coming to the piano, I've got a question for you. How's your passion this morning? How's your passion? Not about football. I like football. I'm not talking about football. How's your passion? Not for hunting season. I love hunting. How's your passion for the things of God? How's your passion for the part that God has for you in his plan? See, what Paul did for Titus, I want to do for you. I want every single one of us to have our passion ignited. Because you know what? We need individuals on fire for God if this church is going to go forward. So who's going to light their candle and fulfill their part in the plan of God? Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would stir hearts at this very moment. Lord, you know my passion. You know my heart. Lord, there's things I know I should do and I want to get more involved. Lord, I pray that you would seal up in my own mind and my own heart who I am in you. Lord, um, I pray that you'd bless our church. I pray that, God, we could see how important this thing about Christianity is. God, I pray that you'd give us insight to see the the big picture about what you're doing and what you've promised. God, I pray we get involved. Thank you for your goodness. I pray that you'd bless in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could stand to our feet.